We have a guest speaker today, so I'm really excited to hear this talk because usually I'm gone when there's a guest speaker. So uh, Dave Zobot is giving the talk today, and most of you know Dave. He's he's come to the temple for a long time, and he's uh, he's he's a he's a very strong practitioner. His practice, I can I can just say, knowing it that his practice is really good and strong and deep. And uh, I'm excited to hear your talk, Dave. Good morning. The musician Lucas Nelson has a song that was in heavy rotation on a radio station that I listened to. Its, its chorus starts with this line, you've got a bad case of wanting what you can't have must be a terrible feeling. This, this song, that line in particular, has sometimes appeared as an earworm or a loop in my mind. When this happens, it's annoying, but it's not at all mysterious, because I do, in fact, have a bad case of wanting what I can't have, and it doesn't feel good. I'll explain this problem of mine in a moment, but sticking with the music theme, I listen to a lot of music. Music is in the background or foreground of much of my life. I find music to be grounding and friendly and frequently insightful. Oftentimes, a song will remind me of my practice and will remind me of what is real and true. And why shouldn't this be? If all the world is present in the Dhamma, it should come as no surprise that the Dhamma, perhaps unintentionally, appears in our music as well. So this problem of mind is one I've been wrestling with for a long time. It's the idea of satisfying desire versus the acquisition of genuine happiness. These two concepts have particular importance in my practice as I can see that spiritually, the many struggles I've had are connected to my pursuit of happiness um, through the satisfaction of desire, while the few successes that I've had are related to my understanding of how that desire detracts from a state of genuine happiness. As Willie Nelson's son Lucas proclaimed in that song, I have a bad case of wanting what I can't have, but I've already received that diagnosis from others. It was the Rolling Stones back in 1965 who proclaimed, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. <laughs> Keith Richards wrote that song. Is there anyone who's tried harder? <laughs> so what I want but can't get, and for what I've gotten no satisfaction from, is desire. By desire, I'm referring to persistent wanting. Um, the, the, the reoccurring and ongoing hunger to have something, to possess something. These somethings might be material objects, sensory pleasures, human relationships, affirmation of status, or maybe and often for the world to be different in some way than how it is. More kind and generous, more peaceful and fair, more friendly and loving, different. 
I'm often keenly aware of this hunger, which can sometimes feel like an out-of-control fire. But as often as I have this awareness, I'm just as likely to be hardly aware or not at all aware of this desire working inside me, smoldering. And I think this might be the bigger problem because I can see that this state of wanting is shaping my thoughts and my words and my actions. But beyond the diagnosis of the dissatisfaction of pursuing desire, my musical encounters have offered some advice. There's a new wave band I've always liked called Crowded House. (laughs) They seem to have known in 1991 that true happiness comes from within, that a mind at peace can know calm even in a storm. Um, Thus they prescribed in, in lyric, everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. Everywhere you go, always take the weather. This idea should be familiar to us all. Nearly every meditation service we share here at the temple includes the chanting of the first verse of the Dhammapada. Mind is the forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. But I see that my mind is often distracted by what that which I desire and the attempted expulsion of that which I dislike all the while ignoring most of what most of um, most of what falls between these extremes this preoccupation with gratification of desire produces states that are inver- that invariably lead away from genuine happiness actually during peaks of frustration i have sometimes wondered existentially if i'm a kind of biological machine one that, when confronted with positive or negative stimuli, robotically changes direction. In this imagination, I can float high above the path this machine me has drawn with its multitude of binary reactions to see that it's left behind a meandering pattern of no importance with dismal spiritual implications. But here in my frustration, the refuge of my practice has taught me that through mindfulness, all beings and circumstances can be my teacher. If I am present in each moment, I can see what is happening and incline toward the wholesome and the skillful. Each moment affords the opportunity to shape my karma and create genuine happiness. Again, I find myself recalling meaningful song lyrics, this time from no less than the Beatles. In response to political protests in 1968, John Lennon wrote the song Revolution. This song, in this song, Lennon seems to acknowledge the mind as forerunner in this lyric. We all want to change the world. Well, you know, you better free your mind instead. <laughs> but how do we free, uh, how do we free the mind? And why should we care? For me, I'm beginning to see that the answer has been there all along. Chasing desire has not created genuine happiness or satisfaction in my life. I've tried and I've tried, and I can see that it's not going to happen. I have, however, found a measure of peace and some genuine happiness by resolving to live a values-based life. I have vowed to align my thoughts, my speech, and my actions with the precepts. I have vowed to refrain from killing. I have vowed to refrain from stealing, to refrain from sexual misconduct, 
to refrain from lying, and to refrain from intoxication. Additionally, I have committed myself to daily meditation practice and Dhamma study, and meaningfully engaging engagement with the community of fellow practitioners. In short, I have taken refuge. My practice has never been perfect, but at the beginning of each day, I renew my intention, and at the end of each day, I reflect on my failings and my successes so that I may learn and improve. Although it is clear to me that when I practice my, with wholesome intention, the benefits radiate out into the world, I am also aware that a practice must focus inward. None of us can change anyone but ourselves. The lasting song lyric I'll share, while perhaps lacking in eloquence, makes up for it in potency. It's from the band Funkadelic, who in 1970 seemed to know something about the transformative powers of personal practice when they sung, or chanted really, this simple direction. Free your mind and your ass will follow. <laughs> what were they talking about? What, is, what does my mind need freedom from? Aren't I already free? I've never tried to count how many choices I make in an hour or day or week, but those numbers must be very high. After all, am I not the cumulative result of all the choices that I've made? A debate about free will and the dynamics of karma can surely spring from this question, but to the extent that I am free, what am I doing with this awesome power? What am I pursuing or running from? What am I paying attention to or failing to see? I need to look no further than the second noble truth to know that my problem isn't my inability to satisfy my desire, but the desire itself. If what I want is for the world to be different than how it is, then I really do have a, have a bad case of wanting what I can't have. But what I can have and what is possible is for me to change my mind and to work toward realizing truth in both intellect and insight. It's the, and I'm learning that it is this righteous work, the work of practice, that leads to genuine happiness. Thank you. Did you, did you want to do, thank you very much. Did you want to do questions or comments? Or? Okay, so. That was a wonderful talk, absolutely wonderful. Are you going to share it in writing with us so we can read it? I could. Oh, yeah. I could, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have a, I have a question. Yeah. This is an email. And, and it's part of what you talked about, about taking refuge. I'd like to use that in my answer to this person. So. <laughs>
listened to a talk and it's good, or um, and somebody marvelous, you can say sadhu, 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 and it means excellent, and that's that's more of a. Uh, it, sometimes it feels weird to clap in a temple, so you can just you say sadhu when you're doing the same thing, and you're letting that person know that that your words were were really good, true job. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.